have been the voyages of the space shuttle Discovery. Her 30-year mission, to seek out new science, to build new outposts, to bring nations together on the final frontier, to boldly go and do what no spacecraft has done before. It's got to be very inspiring for the astronauts to hear William Shatner wishing them well on their uh, on their voyage. On their final there. voyage. The final voyage of Discovery and have William Shatner, Captain Kirk himself, uh, just give it a really, you know, very inspirational, very uh, well, well, well put together um, just a statement of just what they're doing out there. Can you, ma- you know, can you imagine waking up and having this tailored specially for you? From Captain Kirk. It's just amazing. I love this. If, if you're an astronaut or if you're a geek and nerd like myself, not that I'm an astronaut, but uh, the geek and nerd part. Sometimes people say you're out there. but Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah but, Talk to my wife a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, but, but that, it, I would think it doesn't get much better than that. No, you know, and, and you know, we, we mentioned this in a prior version of this podcast that, uh, you know, many of these astronauts have been inspired by Star Trek. And so it's an appropriate send off. Very yeah. true. Yeah. And it, Star Trek is still inspires you know, people to go into space in some way. Yeah, yeah. Well, Miles, welcome to the show. My name's Scott Herzog. I'm one of your hosts here at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are back from a little hiatus here. I guess two weeks it's been. And we're going to be, Miles and I have been talking about, Miles, you're talking about recording just a mini news segment every uh, on the off week. Is that right? That is correct, yes. And by the way, in case you didn't know, we have gone to an every other week format because I'm helping Chris, my wife, uh, with her Haitian Connection Network project that she's doing where she's helping the people of Haiti in education. And so... Um, we still are going to bring you the listener feedback show. We're still going to bring you a show. And starting back in June, we'll be bringing you the weekly shows again. So it's just a temporary thing here as we kind of work through that. And actually, last week, I didn't even work on it because I was helping my uh, sister out of that whole domestic violence situation. Mm. You know, man, talk about a situation that just breaks your heart when you pull pull someone out of domestic violence. And, you know, I feel like we should start a campaign against that. But Well, um I had my own idea of a campaign, but uh, you rejected yeah. that idea. Right, right, right. The baseball bat and a couple of guns. I don't work. need a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you don't want to meet Miles in a dark alley. Uh, <laughs> 
basically, as Scott said, you know, I have this Irish blood in me. I, I think it's just, you know, just a little bit. It's, it's dormant. You know, he he's mild mannered, miles until. Until something bad happens. Until people just do stupid things, really stupid things like yeah, that. like 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 beat up on women. That 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 gets me hot. That that, that gets me very hot. Mm-hmm. Um, we did we did, we actually uh, I didn't tell you this, and uh, it, it, not that it matters to you guys a lot, but you know this is it was finalized. The PFA so is a restraining, and she feels a lot more peace about it. My sister, Good. so and, and she could get on with her life uh yeah at least for right now so mm-hmm. uh i mean there's not, still steps that need to be taken but mm-hmm. but uh, my life is the only thing things have been happening in you are not in the last show no because i had a little bit of a life event myself right uh, right you decided that a telephone pole looked pretty good or maybe maybe the telephone pole is a bad place but the telephone pole was not uh yielding no 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 I, I, what happened was uh, we had a little bit of snow last week and um the road, this back road became really, really icy, and I probably should have waited an hour or so later. And uh, and so I was driving on it, and I wasn't going fast or anything, but I, have, I drive a little Chevy S10. And this thing, if anybody drives pickup trucks or you know knows, they're, they're really, unless they're four-wheel drive, they're, they're really bad in, in, in any kind of weather. And um, no, I, I slid into a telephone pole. Yeah. I was fine. Uh, my truck, however, um, I don't think it's totaled. Uh, I was able to drive away uh, after, 15 minutes after, the township was kind enough to come and salt. The, yeah, the how kind of them after the fact? After the fact. So, now, if they'd been on the ball, if they'd been on the ball, um, I would have probably recorded a podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I want to thank Kevin Batchelder uh, from uh, 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 Sci-Fi TV for uh, stepping in for me. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like the, the Star Trek Next Generation saucer separating and then landing on that planet. You know, it's slowly continuing forward, even though you're trying to stop. Exactly. Um, yeah, I was not going to stop, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're glad to have you back here, Miles. You know, here hosting Saturday Diner. Thank you, and it's, it's good to be back. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, on the show tonight, we have a lot of goodness to bring you. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring you our interview with Mike Doherty and the actually most of the crew, most of the crew yes. from Brown Coast Redemption. Mm-hmm. We did interview Mike Doherty, what, about a year ago? I think oh, yes. it was at the Farpoint Con, and we got a chance to sit down with them. Now that Brown Coast Redemption, Redemption has been released, mm-hmm. they're now raising funds. They're putting out a Blu-ray DVD, which I ordered, right. and um, all these proceeds going to the five charities that Joss Whedon and the cast of uh, Serenity and Firefly have supported. So if you haven't checked it out, go to Brown Coat Redemptions or Brown Coat's a movie, I think it is, dot com, or just search it in Google. That'll be easier and safer mm-hmm. than what I'm telling you right now. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to give you the trivia answer. We do have a winner, and we will reveal what the clips are and in our introduction. We also are going to give you some news about Firefly, former Fox uh, Flocks. The formal Flox planet. Yeah. Flox yeah. is a character on yes, Star Trek Enterprise. It is. It's true. Flox yes. is. Mm-hmm. But uh, not on Firefly. The former Fox president explains why Firefly had to be canceled. Yeah. We're waiting to hear this, Fox, and your bonehead move. Exactly. We're also going to bring you news about the event, and the ratings did not look too good. You did not watch, you said last yeah, night. I but I did watch a two hour premiere. I enjoyed it. I'm totally, I'm totally on, on Team Thomas. Played by um, Mr. Clifton Collins. Yeah, I'm on Team Thomas, and that's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not on Team Sophia. Forget <laughs> that. Um, Summer Glau, is there such a thing as the Summer Glau curse? Well, we're going to talk about that. Nobody very speaking bad of Summer. Yep, no, no. Miles is going to get all Irish on you. I will. Yep. Michael Bay admits that Transformers Wrench of the Fallen. Well, we're going to talk about what he admits about it, but he's going to talk about Wrench of the Fallen, what he thought of that movie. 
there are, Lara Croft is getting a origin story. Who are the actresses that could play that role? Well, Miss Gladwell's in there. We're going to talk about some of the other actresses that are up for the role and what we think of them. Miles has his own opinion about some of them. Hmm. Miles is going to bring us um, a DVD review, or at least some news about Thor, the tales of Asgard. He's also going to bring us a twist with some stuff about um, Dr. Uh, Doctor Crusher and uh, what dermal regenerators, mm-hmm. and also a little bit of news about the movie, I guess. And uh, we're still waiting for the Trek script, and we're waiting for the next movie. Miles is going to wrap up by bringing you his Sci-Fi 5 and 5 by talking about the five best moments of Farpoint for him. Yes. So that's our show. We're sticking to it. Let's jump into the trivia question. Okay. Well, we asked last time, uh, name the, this is what, what's in our current intro at the moment. Uh, name the shows, movies featured in our intro in order. Extra credit will be given if you identify the speaker of the clip. And Jason, one of our listeners, suggested that, or at least suggested it, and he was, and he actually tried out for the mm-hmm. trivia as well. But uh, and it's evolved over time. But this is the most current one. Yes. What was the prize pack? What can they get? Well, uh, our friend Michael Doherty from Browncoats Redemption was kind enough to uh, uh, give us a copy of uh, the Browncoats Redemption DVD and some uh, some the, the cast members that were there, some signed uh, pictures of theirs, and a leather Browncoats uh, bracelet. And a movie poster. And a movie poster. This is a prize pack. This is like tons of stuff for it. So the stuff that just is memorabilia. Yeah. Some good yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. And the winner was dun, 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 Mr. Brady Harden. Mr. Brady. So thank you for playing. It is browncoatsmovie.com. I have it in my notes. I just, just didn't see it otherwise. By the way, if you go to their site, and if you didn't win, and you want to order a Blu-ray a DVD or a DVD copy, you can go there to their site and get a discount. All you have to do is enter the code Sci-Fi Diner when you order, and it'll be good to go. You'll get a discount on nice. whatever you buy. So 5%, 10% discount mm-hmm. or something like that. I guess we should tell them the clips that were actually in there in order. So why don't you take the odds, and I'll take the evens. Okay. So these are the order of the clips that appear in our intro. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very iconic uh, clip. Uh, Star Trek, spoken by Spock. Yes. The second one was from Star Wars, of course, spoken by Han Solo. And our third one was from Battlestar Galactica, spoken by the Admiral himself, uh, William Adama. And then clip four, Serenity, spoken by Wash and Mal. And that is important. It's from Serenity, Mm -hmm. not Firefly. And the next one, and and this is, I'm probably losing a little geek credit because I wouldn't have gotten this. Uh, I'm probably going to need to watch this movie again. Uh, But this was Matrix, uh, um, the bald uh, spoon boy. You know, I would get this because I have a tradition that on the last day of the, of school, as I'm like cleaning out my room on the very last day of school, each year I watch The Matrix. Oh, okay. So it's come it's kind of a tradition for me. I just love it. So you I, know that movie in kind of kind of kicks me into the summer, I guess. So or something like that. Very cool. So, well, any, any movie would that would. Yep. And then number six was Star Trek: The Next Generation, spoken by Captain Picard. There are. Four lights. Uh, this is one of the hardest episodes of TNG. Oh man, watch. yeah, it's a lot it's of torture in that. And the seventh one is V, spoken by Anna. Yeah, and uh, Brady did actually when he he won it, but he originally submitted Diana as it and then corrected himself on it. And the number eight was Sci-Fi Diner podcast intro, spoken by Mrs. Herzog. So, so kudos for that. That you didn't have to have that last one on there to be in the drawing for it, but um, he did. Mm-hmm. So that's what's in our intro. But we talked about maybe updating the intro. Yeah, we should update that. Maybe when we hit show 100, we'll have some new clips. In fact, if you have a clip 
I'm just going to say this now. If you have a clip that you would like to see in our intro that we don't have in our intro, we may keep some of the original clips here, but we'd like to modify it. Mm-hmm. And so send them in. There's some new, there's some new sci-fi shows that have come out the past year. that And some know, good quotes. Some excellent about. quotes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 Yep, and I think of these, only one of them V is the only one that's on right now, and who who knows how long it's going to be on. So, that's true. Yeah, hopefully long. But well, let's move into our first promo. It is a promo for the show called the Gamma, uh, the, the Gamma, the, the the Gamma Quadrant, and this, of course, is about everything Deep Space Nine. Miles, yeah. go ahead and talk about this a little bit. This is a great little podcast. Uh, uh, Seth, Valerie, and uh, Ryan are the, are the hosts. Uh, they talk about. Each episode, uh, kind of dissected a little. Um, they'll talk about you know who directed it and just just some just some facts about it. But it's, it's a very interesting critique of the episode. And they're up they're they're through se- they're almost through season four right now. So if you haven't heard it yet, and you, you'll have a bunch of new ones to you'll have a bunch of back ones to enjoy. And uh, D Space Nine ran for seven seasons, so they got like another three more seasons to go. Yeah, they have plenty of episodes. They have yeah. a hundred plus episodes, right? Too. So they still have a lot of material. So. Very cool. Well, so here's the promo. Ever feel like it is hard to make friends with people from other planets? Tired of other races in the Gamma Quadrant pushing you around? The universe is a dangerous place. The Dominion can help. We offer mediation, protection, Ketracel White provided to every new recruit. Contact us via the iTunes store under the Gamma Quadrant, and one of our Vortas will be happy to send you an application. The Gamma Quadrant is the podcast dedicated to all things Deep Space Nine. Look for us at gammaquadrant.libsyn.com, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N, or under Gamma Quadrant at the iTunes store. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We are going to go ahead and leap into our news tonight. And we are going to start with a news story that came out. There's been a lot of talk about Firefly in the news right now. At least if you've been following Twitter in the news. It started with Nathan Fillion's offhand comment that he wants to buy Firefly. Right. Uh, which he has since kind of recanted on. Mm-hmm. But there's a huge move behind the, the people that aren't actually giving money but pledging that if they get enough people, enough pledges to raise the $300 million, they're mm-hmm. going to try and buy a Firefly. So, but this story, story, and so I believe, is kind of comes in the heel of the fervor, the fact that fan, the Brown Coast have arisen once again. That's an appropriate story, being that we're interviewing Mike a little bit later on. Sure. Um, so, former Fox president explains why Firefly had to be canceled. I'm waiting to hear this, Miles. Yes. Uh, so As we are. <laughs> So Firefly fans, also, also known as Browncoats, have it better than most fans of a brilliant yet canceled series. We got something like closure thanks to the feature film Serenity back in 05. The show is also returning on the Science Channel, channel with all new commentary from scientist uh, Michio Kaku. Uh, but we, but we Browncoats also have thought it tougher than most. With multiple references to our favorite spacefaring cowboys and star Nathan Fillion's current show Castle, we're constantly reminded of what we've lost. To that end, uh, Gail Berman, the former president of entertainment at Fox Broadcasting Company, spoke about why she had to pull the plug. She said in Pittsburgh Post Gazette that canceling Firefly was as difficult as anything I'd ever been involved in because Joss and I had 
being creative partners at one time. I worked with them very closely on this particular show, and when it didn't perform in the ratings, having to cancel was very difficult. If I had to do it over again, I might have reconsidered it, but I'm not sure it would have changed anything, she said. It was a numbers thing. It was a wonderful show, and I loved it and loved working with him on it, but it was a big show, very expensive show, and it wasn't delivering the numbers. The fact that Berman's quotes are still news is a sign that Firefly fandom hasn't lost steam since the show's ended since the show was canceled in two, December 2012, more than eight years ago. So, 2002. 2002, I'm sorry. Um, in the future. In the future, yeah. So although it's tough to be a Firefly fan, with the airing, re-airing of our show, as well as uh, help uh, Nathan Fillion buy a Firefly campaign that started three weeks ago, at least our lives are never boring. <laughs> it's very true they are not. But, you know, she makes this comment, and I just want to comment on this. She said... Um, she might have reconsidered it. Mm-hmm. And I think probably in the backlash and everything that's happened and the huge fan community that's behind it, right. she might have reconsidered. I think it was something that – I think they cut the series. Just They should have let it run at least a year. Well, also, Fox doesn't get behind their shows. It, it's. I mean, it's – I don't think um, – and we had this, conver- this discussion with uh, Televix and some time ago, and she brought up this good point about – they just do not market and get behind their shows like, say, ABC does. Uh, when, when V came out, I mean, there was there was ads, there was there was uh, um, billboards. Um, I mean, regardless of whatever you think of the Cape, um, NBC at first did get behind that show. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, the, even even the event the past couple of weeks, you've been seeing event trailer after event trailer after event trailer. Right, and so I think. You know, I, you know, I, I hold Fox responsible for not, you know, really get behind the show. I didn't even know the show was on when when it was out that year. So I caught one episode live, and I was kind of like, yeah, about. It. I didn't get into it till after. But so shame on you, Fox, for not getting behind in the first place. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And, and you know, I do, I do want to say this. She does say the show was expensive to produce. That not surprising. It, it looks like it's a big budget show, right? Um, but I think it would have paid off. I just, I just do. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess. I'm not in a position where I have advertisers breathing down my back. Yeah. And, and so I'm not in her position. And I'm, and I, you know, if I had a show like Firefly that was doing poorly in the ratings, whether, okay, maybe their fault, I might be asked to make the same decision. And uh, where am I, 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 you know, now I'm a brown coat. I would never pull it on Firefly. Mm-hmm. But. Well, this is my thing. I mean, NBC has, they could say, hey, we, we, we gave the Cape a chance. Uh, we, we, we promoted, you know, Really early on, I mean, I told you I was in New York City and I saw it on the big screens in Times Square. It certainly wasn't a lack of promotion in the Cape of the in, in, in the case of the Cape. Yes, that wasn't the fault of NBC. So NBC, you know, they put it out there. You know, viewers didn't. You know, it's not getting the numbers now. I can't really fault NBC for pulling the plug on it. Fox, on the other hand, you know, where were you when you know? You know, when, when when Firefly first came out, because I didn't even know the show really existed. Yeah. See, Dollhouse they promoted, and that, that the reason that was canceled was a different issue, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, different issue than Firefly. What it's canceled, it is, and this is just you know, base. But this still brings out the passion in all of us. I mean, oh uh, yeah. Yeah, Miles is still passionate about it. Here. I'm still upset. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Huge ratings drop in the latest a disastrous event for the event. So. The event mm-hmm. comes back after a four-frickin'-month hiatus. Yes. All right. So 
Let's talk. Here's the story. Monday night was a bad night for NBC and the event as the Alien Conspiracy series took a major ratings hit, losing nearly a third of its audience. Ouch. Yes, a third of its audience. The series returned from a three-month mid-season hiatus with two back-to-back episodes that could only score a 1.4 out of 4 rating with 5.53 million viewers. 5.5... 5.53 5.53 million viewers total in the first hour and uh, 4.93 in the second, or a shocking drop of 26%. All right? Uh, the series, ret- uh, when we last saw the event late November, the series had settled in with a 1.9 rating, an impressive time shifted ratings and nearly doubled its audience. Time will tell on Monday's outing rates when it comes to the TiVo crowd. Um, I chatted with executive producer Evan Katz in the, I didn't chat, but the article did. Um, an exclusive interview that took place as he was writing the series for Monday's premiere. And he was worried about seeing the event off the air for such a long time. I think the mistake was not starting it, it in January. No, duh. We've we could have told you that. I mean, the, the, we've talked about this before. The, the long hiatus between shows does not serve the show well at all. I mean, I think we could probably find shows that have had long hiatuses and with very few exceptions – it hurt it in the long run and probably, you know, speed up his cancellation. Yeah. I don't know if this is history for the event, but it certainly does not bode well for the event. Yeah. That, At least that, that, it's, it's have a rough start like this. Now, now that's still more viewers than the 1.9 million it was having back at the end of its run. I'd be curious what... It was better than The Cape. It said it was a better premiere than The Cape okay. was. So that's at least something. That's that, that's something. But I'd be curious, like, what, like on Mondays now, what people are watching that they may not have tuned into the event uh when it premiered yeah initially mm-hmm. 11 million viewers that's a huge that's a huge drop mm-hmm. i guess well, it depends what it's going up against right i guess i guess you have to look at that so mm-hmm. um so what do you think of the event let us know i like it miles hasn't watched yet Not but yet. we look forward to discussing this on the next uh, listener feedback show and uh look forward to hearing you call in and talk about uh the event or a couple things about the event mm-hmm uh, Miles, let's talk about the summer clockers. Okay, not that I agree that there is such a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and and the the writer of the article um, and one of our listeners uh, posted this on our Facebook fan page also. Um, Seriously, there's no such thing as a summer cloud curse. Um, and I'm just going to read the first paragraph, and there's kind of just... We'll post a full story. Sure. Um, it seems to be semi-official that the cape has been dry-cleaned and folded for the last time. I think that's pretty much a given. I mean, they're airing the, uh, the, per- the finale of it, I guess, next Monday. It comes out on NBC, mm-hmm. online only. Online, okay. And we've heard uh, people talking about the Summer Glaub curse, which no power in the verse can keep her on the air. Okay, seriously. First of all, does anybody really believe that the cape would have been a runaway hit if uh, Christian uh, Croy had played Orwell instead or some other cult genre actor? But even leaving aside the specifics of the cape, it's totally ridiculous to talk about a Glaub curse. It shouldn't even be need to be said, but here goes anyway. And uh, the writer of the article goes into why... The idea of a summer cloud curse. It's is certainly not an issue of her being an actor. She's a competent actor. She's a very competent actor. Now, she does get typecast into neurotic style roles. In fact, sure. when you watch the last episode of the event, she kind of appears to be doing the, uh, the event. The cape, mm-hmm. you kind of see her doing the same thing. Same kind of being neurotic there at the end. Yeah, unfortunately for her, she has been typecast. But I, Even in Dollhouse. Do, Dollhouse, um, the 4400. Um, Serenity and Firefly. Yeah, and she played you know she played a Terminator on uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yes, yeah, so that was a bit different. But 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 
I, I, I think, I, and, and the writer of the article goes into why those shows, you know, um, you know, they were good or what, and why they didn't succeed, but why Summer Glau is not really responsible for them. Right. Um, it's just, and, and I talked about this in our Facebook fan page. I said, you know, she's, she's still young. She has time. I mean, a lot of actors, you know, they, they do a bunch of series and they, they don't always last until they, it takes them a while to find the one that, that really makes, I mean, right. even Nathan Fillion took him a long time before he found castle. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know, so summer Glau, she was in firefly, you know, that lasted half a season. 4400 was on, uh, two seasons, I believe. Many series in two seasons. Yeah. Yep. And then, um, she had a recording role in the unit, which went on for a couple seasons after she was gone. So that obviously was not impacted. Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles. That was two seasons. Dollhouse was two seasons, but she really, she was only in the last couple episodes of that. And the, the Cape. Mm-hmm. So not a lot. No, she, I mean, she, she hasn't had a long career yet. I mean, when compared to other actors. Yeah, so uh, is there such a thing as Summer Glau Curse? Well, she's been in some long-running series. And the series that she's been in, I've been critically acclaimed, and um, in some ways they have, I mean, getting two seasons for a show in this day and age is almost a success. I mean, so, Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I, I don't think this is a failure on her part at all. No, no. Anyways, we love you, Summer Glau. We really do. We do. Uh, Miles especially. I do. Michael Bay admits that Transformers Revenge of the Fallen was crap. Okay. <laughs> it's, no, it's no secret that a lot of us thought that Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, you know, I was not a big fan of it. I liked the original. I know we've debated this before. You kind of liked the sequel, but. I, I think, no, actually, I like the original. You like the original better? So maybe I, but I, I, you know, I enjoyed the, I, you know, I enjoyed both of them, but mm-hmm. um, Michael Bay thinks so too. Now, let me tell you, Miles, I hate when a director excuse me for saying this, doesn't have the balls to stand up behind what he's done. Mm. You know, because it somehow somehow minimalizes it because actors have poured their hard-earned work. CGI artists have poured their hard-earned effort into it. You know, he spent time and money directing this, putting his best effort for it, and now he's calling it crap. Um, Mm. You know, I'm not, okay, I'm not saying there aren't errors with the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm certainly not. But to have a director stand up and not support something he's done, yeah, I could. I mean, in one sense, I, I, I like the fact that he's taking responsibility. This was not a great movie, but at the same time, to say it was crap is probably going a little uh, over the top. Yeah. Anyways, he says this in the interview, um, and it was actually an interview about Transformers: Dark of the Moon. He says the the predecessor uh, we made about about Revenge of the Fallen that we made some mistakes. The real fault with Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen is that it ran into the mystical world. When I look back at it. That was crap. That actually didn't bother me, by the way, when they went to the mystical world. Did mm-hmm. that bother you? No, that didn't no, bother me. No, there were some other things that bothered me about the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shia LaBeouf. Sorry, that was for you, Jason. <laughs> um, Bay puts the blame on the movie's rush development, saying the writer's strike was coming on hard and fast. It was just terrible to do a movie where you have to have a story in three weeks. I was prepping the movie for months when I only had 14 pages of some idea what the movie was. It's a BS way to make a movie. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, so he's blaming it a little bit in the writer's strike, which I can understand that a little bit. All right? Um of course, in Hollywood, meeting a release date is far more important than actually having the coherent script, or even a script for that matter. And more than 800 million worldwide box office receipts later, it's easy for Bay to say that he foisted a page of garbage on the audiences, isn't it? So forgive us if we take the comment on the 3D Dark of the Moon with a heaping spoonful of cynicism. Hmm. So, you know, whatever. Uh, 
he admits it's crap. I don't agree with the reasons why he thinks it's crap. I think there were other errors with the movie, but yeah, I I just think uh, it the story those bumbling idiot robots they can get rid they, of. They 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 were they were horrible. Um, the first one had told a better story. I thought. And I thought. I mean, the, the special effects were phenomenal, but I just thought it got a little went overboard in some places. It just it was just. Sensory overload, as yeah. I call it. You just like that transformer robot that Shia LaBeouf was making love to in his dorm room. Actually, she annoyed me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it reminded uh, me of Species too much. Did you ever see any of the Species movies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it just reminded me of that a little bit much, and I was like, yeah, whatever. So, But I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic for the third one. For yeah, everything yeah. I've seen, I think yeah. it's, got, it's got potential. Let's talk about the next Lara Croft. Okay, well, 12 actresses who could raid the tombs as a new Lara Croft. This is an origin story that's coming out. And origin story movies are, are huge right now. So with the news that the film rights to Tomb Raider, the flick that made Angelina Jolie a big honking movie star, have just been picked up and an origin story reboot is in the works. We started thinking about who could strap on the pistols. We're not sure just about how far back the Adventures of Lara Croft's history this new reboot will go. All the press releases from Graham King's um, uh, GK Films uh, who did the, the part says it's after acquiring the rights from a video game company uh, – Edos. Yep. They want to create daring new adventures for the young and dynamic Lara Croft. But who could play the young Cro- Lara who will grace the screens in, in 2013? Well, we've got some ideas. So we don't need to talk about all these, but let's talk about some of the ones that stand out for you or some of the ones that you're surprised about. Um, now, I, I like Olivia Wilde in uh, Tron Legacy. I'm not sure if I'd like her in uh, um, in uh, in Lara Croft. She might work. Summer Glau, we obviously are for. Does she work as Lara Croft? I, I, actually, I, I have my reservations about that, about being Lara Croft. You know, maybe. I mean, we're not looking at someone that's going to carry on a lot of heavy dialogue. It's a lot of action. She certainly has the action, but she's not as buxom as, as, what, you, yeah. as you want Lara Croft to be. I mean, she's, she's got an athletic dancer's physique, and uh, um, physically, she just, I mean, I, I guess probably what I'm doing is. I'm comparing her to uh, Angelina Jolie. Right, which is a bit different. But even the video games, Angelina Jolie was more in line with them. I have played some of the video games. Mm-hmm. But that, that picture of Summer's great, though. Oh, it's, yeah. oh it is. What about Emma Watson? You like Emma Watson. That's the top of your list. Um, actually, I, <laughs> actually, I don't think she, she would be good for the role at all. It's <laughs> I, I, just not her thing. What about uh, Black Widow? There's a possibility. Yes, Scarlett Johansson mm-hmm. playing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, could, I could see her doing that role. Uh, that might be that. Might, that would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, any anyone else here? Let's see. We got. They have some young actors in there too. Oh, they're the, the Chuck actress. You know, the, the lady from Chuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Anna Kendrick kind of looks a little like. Uh, um, I mean, it resembles Angelie a little bit. They're gonna have. All, yeah, it's. Yeah. I don't know. I, I you know I, I don't know if this is a good enough list for me. Yeah, I think they need to come up with some more. Food. Scarlet's my pick. Right now, I think Scarlet might might be, but I don't know. I'm partial Silver Glau, but I think Scarlet's my pick. I I think she fits. She kind of fits more the type is of. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move into some uh, DVD news. Tell me about Thor: Tales of the Asgard. Well, I was trying to find some new DVDs that have come out, and especially in the animated format and. 
I don't have a release date. It's just supposed to come out sometime this year, but uh, we're getting tri- treated to a live-action Thor movie, but sometime this year we're going to get treated to an uh, animated movie, uh, Thor Tales of Asgard. Um, the plot is uh, approaching the age of adulthood. Uh, Thor and Loki go on a quest to find a sword known as the Elder uh, Storm, the Sword of Sortor. And so um, we'll put a tra- trailer clip in our uh, show notes, but it uh, looks interesting. Yeah, you also embed the uh, the URL for that so I can mm-hmm. find it. But yeah, so I well, it looks good, and um, we'll, we'll allow you to make your own judgment call on that. When when's that coming out? Is it out already? It's not out yet. Uh, I was trying to find more information about it today, but so far, always it just sometime sometime this year. So more Thor. If you mm-hmm. like Thor, kick it off Thor. Here it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, why don't you bring us into this week in Star Trek? This week in Star Trek, uh, we like it when Star Trek um, gadgets becomes reality or inspires things to become reality. And I want to thank our friend Chris from So Space Communique for uh, posting this on his site. Um, so Star Trek's dermal regenerator one step closer to reality. Dr. Crusher would approve. One of our readers brought a new skin repair technique for burn victims to our attention on a segment from a National Geographic video. The inventor of this new technology calls it a uh, stem cell gun, although it looks more like a bulky airbrush to us. It sprays stem cells taken from the burn victim back onto the wounded area of the skin. Unlike a skin graft that can take months to heal and is prone to infection, the skin gun can be used to heal burn-damaged skin in a matter of days. While I watched this video, we couldn't help but think of this leap in medical technology seemed to just like a real life step toward technology we've been seeing on Star Trek for decades. Seeing the perfect looking new skin that healed in only four days on a, one of the f- first trial patients is so astounding to give us uh, goosebumps. Mm. So uh, if you want to see a video of that, uh, you go to Subspace Communicate. Yeah, a- I'll try and embed it if I can. Sure. And also, uh, we, we want to. So we're trying to find more Star Trek news relating to the uh, next movie coming out and uh, got a little bit. Here, J.J. Uh, Abrams, he is uh, waiting for the Trek script and, and talks briefly about the characters. Uh, this was uh, originally posted on TrekMovie.com. In a brief uh, Oscar night uh, red carpet interview, uh, Star Trek sequel producer and possible director J.J. Abrams said he is expecting to read the script soon, and he talked about how he imagines the sequel will expand on the characters. Um, so uh, he, he says here... MTV asks him regarding the Trek sequel the script currently being wrapped up by Daniel Lindelof and Robert Orsi Abrams said I can't wait to check it out very surely he also provided this tiny insight into what he thinks the film will expand on saying um, he says the first one was about the characters meeting it and the sequel is going to have to be more about what they do now and that, and that, that they're family it'll be fun uh, March continues to look like a big moment for a Star Trek sequel either in the year Abrams starred that he expected to be announcing his attentions to, on directing the sequel this uh, month and a few weeks ago the writers indicated that they expect to hand in a draft uh, the, this month as well you know this is turning out more and more like The Hobbit in my opinion <laughs> because you know it took so long to get The Hobbit made you said we heard rumors back when we first started podcasting of The Hobbit being made yeah. and you know here as soon as the Star Trek movie came out and did as well as did we said okay there's going to be a sequel and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. Mm-hmm. And two years later, we still don't even have a script for it. Um, that does not look good to it coming out soon. You would think, I don't know, I mean, with, with, with Star Trek doing so well, they would just be more on board trying to get the, up, the next one going. But 
I would think. But they all, but but these guys also have other jobs too. I mean, uh, yeah. So it's whatever. Whatever. Come on, yeah. they can't just do it for the fans. Come on. <laughs> well, Miles, thank you so much for bringing us this week in Star Trek. Let's move into our last promo before we bring you our awesome interview with uh, Brown Coats Redemption and the crew from there. And this is from uh, this promo is going to be for Dan and Lee's Midnight Movie Club. So if you are a child of the 80s and 90s, Miles, that includes you, mm-hmm. this is a great podcast where they go back and just review many uh, different things about the movies that aired then. <laughs> Hello, I'm Dan and this is Lee. Hello. And together we are Lee and Dan's Midnight Movie Club. You see, every week we come together and we review classic popcorn movies of the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> For example, so far we've reviewed Teen Wolf. Which is great. Teen Wolf 2. Which was awful. The Last Starfighter. Which was great. Cannonball Run. Awful. Army of Darkness. Awesome. <laughs> Police Academy. Mission to Moscow. Not so awesome. Worst film in the history of mankind. And Pee-wee's Big Adventure. The second worst film in the history of mankind. So if you want to hear more of our highly intelligent, uh, incisive film critique, come over to midmoclub.com. That's M-I-D-M-O club.com. And check out our podcast. Or you could just type Midnight Movie Club into iTunes if you have iTunes. Yes. If you don't have it, it'll be harder. That's right. So we'll hope we'll uh, you'll listen to us soon. Uh, to be fair, though, I quite like Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Well, you're an idiot. Hi, I'm Laura Matthews. We haven't met before, but soon you'll know more about me and my crew. You see, some big damn heroes went and caused a mess of trouble by sending out this signal. Got the people of the verse all riled up. Now the Alliance is cracking down on every ship from Osiris to Boros, trying to find them, throwing the rest of us right in the thick of things. A group of browncoats can't stand to sit idly by and do nothing while the Alliance gets to bullying people about. And that fine group of browncoats is just itching to start a fight. As for me, me and my crew, we've kept our noses clean. Until now. Pete? Yes, Captain? Hey, girl. Shiny. So you got a job, provided it don't put me and mine in much harm's way. Got yourself a crew. Looking good down there, Captain. That's enough, Pete. Oh, yeah. at least part of the cast and crew from Brown Coats Redemption and director-producer who just cracked whatever he cracked over there. 
Uh, what are you drinking over there? Uh, Sam's Cola. Sam's Cola. <laughs> the lovely most generic yeah, that yeah. below on the market. So we're sitting with the crew, and we, we want to catch up with them. We interviewed you guys. I think last Farpoint, the project wasn't even near completion, and here we have a completed Brown Coats Redemption. Uh, tell us about uh, what has been going on with Brown Coats Redemption. I think that's the first part, how people were responding to it. Um, and then we'll get into a little bit about the Blu-ray and so on. Why don't you start us off? Uh, we got an amazing response at DragonCon where we premiered it. We had over... A you thousand streamed it live, right? Uh, we streamed it live, which got over 13,000 views. And we kind of broke uh, Vimeo for a little bit because the streaming wasn't working. <laughs> but we had over close to 1,100 people show up at the premiere at DragonCon. And the line for that was three hours long of people just waiting. And there was about 300 people that got turned away due to space. Uh, that went over pretty well, with the exception of technical difficulties. But um, since then, we've moved over 2,000 DVDs, sent over $20,000 combined to all the charities. Uh, continue. We're starting the pre-order for the Blu-ray, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been going really well. Got included in the Firefly Still Flying Companion with a four-page write-up. So, yeah, if you'd have asked me back then if any of this would have happened, I probably would have said no. But yeah. now it happens. I'm like, we want more. <laughs> Uh, so how, as actors, how is it, how is the response been for you guys? I don't care who goes first here. Ladies? Um, I ha- haven't gotten any jobs from it, but <laughs> I'm looking, sending out, you know, resume headshots. Everything that actors do, auditioning, whatnot, so. Um, fan-wise, though, it's been really great. I have a lot of really good fans who loved it when they saw it at Atlanta, and have kind of continued to follow us at various conventions. It's fun to see the familiar faces. We have your name and your character. Oh, sorry, <coughs> I'm Heather Fake, and I play Captain Laura Matthews. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, wow. Yeah, fans, unbelievable. As a matter of fact, I was mentioning to Mike earlier that I uh, went to the Virginia Film Expo, and I was going into the restroom, and uh, this guy caught me just before I went in, and he's like, Where are you in that redemption? movie thing that came out and I was like yeah and he's like oh man wait can I get your picture and I'm sitting there like doing the pee pee dance all this other <laughs> uh, but that, that, that was pretty cool and it's it's always happening in random areas uh, same as Heather said with uh, Facebook people giving you uh, feedback or saying hey I got this I'm taking a look at it you know good stuff uh, wise <coughs> I say I haven't booked work from it as of yet but I have had a lot of people take a look at it and uh, send me some emails asking questions about other stuff and uh, I'm Kevin Troy. I play Lux Luker. So like Kevin was saying in meeting up with fans in random places, Mike and I were at San Diego Comic-Con last year. And it was a couple months before our premiere was scheduled at DragonCon. And we were walking across the expo floor. And if you know anything about San Diego Comic-Con, it's huge. Absolutely. And there are just over 100,000 people there. And this gentleman stopped me. He's like, excuse me, are you in the Firefly fan film? Yeah. He's like, oh, I thought I recognized you from the website. And he got really excited that he'd recognized me and bumped into me. And so I think same thing. Took a picture and, you know, happily along our way. I think I think I can uh, relate. My name is PJ McGaw. I play Jack Haddington. Um, yeah, I, I've definitely been recognized uh, because of the role. I'll actually go to auditions in the area and they'll say, hey, aren't you the guy from Brown Coast Redemption? Aren't you the guy from Ninjas vs. That, that whole thing and, and I'm shocked I'm like you know I'm like uh, yeah does that mean I get the part <laughs> and then I have to wait a couple of minutes you know but the, the project definitely follows you around and the best place I ever got recognized and I think I can 
top, Kevin. I went to a club one day, found out, yeah, you know the story, found out it was a fetish club. And so I decided, you know what, hey, I'm he, going he to... He said it himself. He didn't have to go there. No, right. but I want you guys to the full, the full, the full absurdity of this. So they found out the fetish club's theme was the circus, and I decided to have some fun with this, and I, and I get painted up as a tiger. I'm wearing body paint, orange underwear, and that's it. And this woman stops and she says, oh yeah, you're a tiger? Funny, I'm a cougar. I'm like, awesome. She's like, hey, you want, want me to uh, pretty much buy you alcohol all night long? I can do that. And she said, great, just you know, walk it over to me. So I'm now getting her like her third vodka of the night, and I'm walking across this club wearing nothing but body paint and underwear with two things of vodka in my hand, and a woman stops me, a different woman, and she says, Aren't you PJ McGaw from Brown Coats Redemption? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, there's this huge shindig in Maryland, and I've been keeping all the Facebook feeds, and I'm, I'm so excited to see your movie. I'm a huge fan. Oh, I say in my body paint and underwear. Always nice to meet a fan. I hope you enjoy the movie. And I run to my my cougar with vodka in hand, embarrassed as I should be in the situation. <laughs> so it's it's a, it's been an amazing uh, ride. Um, uh, just the whole time, the fans, the fans are some of the most loyalist, most outgoing people I've met, and it, it's just been a trip. And I would like to say there was no typecasting for his role whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> None. None whatsoever. I think we can stop the interview now because we're not going to top that. It's going to work after this. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I'm John Patrick Berry, and I have no interesting stories about being recognized in public over Brown. Oh, I do have some friends who saw it. Like, hey, good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Um, Guy Wellman, I played Cameron Allen, and uh, probably the most exciting thing was simply a lot of my students. I, I teach middle school, okay. and a lot of my students saw the film, and um, they actually came in the, that Monday after it premiered. They're like, hey, Mr. Wellman, saw the movie. In that scene, <laughs> so that was kind of cool to actually get hear that from them, and uh, they actually did see the movie. But um, it hasn't really opened up as far as uh, just other things, but certainly just keeping it open, setting up uh, headshots, and going to different auditions. But it's still just uh, overwhelming, kind of something like this, and immediately people are like, "Hey, weren't you in that movie? Or, or in the movie?" But actually, it was two years ago, my first Dragon Con. I was standing in line like everyone else. I was waiting to get my picture taken with, um, uh, I forget who it was. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, one of the people stopped me and said, Hey, aren't you that guy that's in that Browncoats movie? And I said, Yes. I said, I I got the postcard. He he took it out and showed it to me. He said, Yeah, I was at the, uh, the session you guys did. I'm really looking forward to it. Hey, can you sign this for me? So I was like, wow, that's that's pretty cool, sure. Yeah. And then next thing you know, there were other people, and I, of course, had cards with me, so I was standing yeah. and signing them. So that was oh. pretty cool. Our first year at Dragon Con, we had a panel. We filled the room, packed the room, and showed just the little teaser trailer that kind of sets up the characters. And later that night, I was walking around the convention, and there was this little maybe eight-year-old boy dressed up as Mal. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's so cute. I've got to take his picture. And with kids, I always think it's, it's, I know they're all dressed up, but so I asked his mom, I said, can I take his picture? And, oh no, I'm sorry, he was dressed up as uh, Dr. Horrible, the mouse yes. at San Diego Comic-Con. Captain Hammer. Yeah, so he was Captain, <laughs> he was 
Dr. Horrible. And in the red outfit and everything. And and she's like, yeah, hold on, he's got gloves. And he had a little lunchbox that said Wonderflonium on it. And so she opens the lunchbox and he's getting on his gloves and she leans down to him and she's like, honey, that's the new captain. And he froze. Just totally, absolutely froze. Just these big little kid eyes looking up at me. And just, he was so just excited, but he couldn't do anything. <laughs> so, and my friend is like hitting me. She's like, shake his hand, shake his hand. <laughs> what do you do with the kid? Hi. <laughs> so I, I have a lollipop. You know, and the, the fans in general have been really great, but it's some of the, the interactions with the little kids that are just mm. amazing. I have yet to meet a little kid, but they don't go to fetish clubs, so... <laughs> and that's a good thing. That's a very, that's a very good Children thing. don't do that unless right. you're 21 and it's your choice. Right, right. <laughs> not yeah, that's the whole law thing. Producer, director. Right, yes. Right. So, how, how about for you? Now, you obviously don't recognize the series screen time, but... Oh, it's nice, because people are really honest. <laughs> I walk around I got a church t-shirt or t-shirt t-shirt on and uh, I'm like oh you're gonna go see Broncos Redemption yeah and then they'll just completely be honest and like what about you I'm like well I kind of wrote it uh, 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 so you get the people that are brutally honest and are like you know what the sound's a little off and it's not the Firefly cast and I didn't really like it I'm like okay thanks well what do, I, what do you think I'm like I thought it was pretty good you know spent a lot of time working on it right well, you know, it's not really that bad. <laughs> but the, we had a, a really cool experience out of creation in 2009, or 2010, right? When the movie was about, to, or before the movie came out. Oh, was no. it 2009? Yeah. That uh, it was, like, weird. People started walking around to Heather and I, and I think John Patrick Berry. And John Patrick Berry. John Patrick Berry. <laughs> and uh, this one girl was just like, every time she saw us, she was like, <gasps> Like hands would go and a face. Would, I was like, I'm looking over my shoulder, expecting a reaction like that for Nathan Fillion, and she's just like, "Can I get a picture with you guys?" Yeah, okay. Can, can I keep? Can I keep up with the project? I'm like, sure, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, you? damn it, I'm like, all right, this is a little awkward, but um, so it, the, the spectrum was really range for people that like diehard love it, and then there's people that are eh, meh about it. But it's I like the uh, Ananas and. Anna, the fact that people don't know that I'm the guy. Anonymity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which gives you, uh, which gives more, it gives a more honest response to exactly. uh, that, and then when they find out, they backpedal. But, um, but you know, it's how, you know, this is the first fan film from the, the Firefly universe to come to the public, and that I think it certainly is. Is that right? To actually make it to the public, yes. 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 I know there are two others in the works, right, or been in the works. Yes. I still are in the works. I we hope know. so. We hope so. But. So, opinion. Nathan Fillion announces this week that he wants to buy, or he might be interested in buying the Firefly franchise from Fox, and he has some writers, Jane and I, one of the other writers that hops on board. Yeah, what do you what do you think of that? Uh, I think it was a question that was kind of taken out of context. It's like if you won the lottery, what would you do? Type question, and then people went. <gasps> You know, because he mentioned if I had three hundred million dollars, I would you know buy the right. And he was just talking about buying the rights, right. not even making the series. So people are like, "Let's raise three hundred million dollars." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> then you could raise a couple hundred million more just to get the stuff done." Um, I would love to see it come back. I you know, as Bobby said, ours came out, but we want them for more. But oh man, the shitstorm he created with that—that oh, yeah, was all over the earth, right? <laughs> 
But if it did happen and they needed another crew in the verse, absolutely. Come on, we have it all. I would stop what I was doing <laughs> and I would come out and help. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Fillion, can I carry your sandwich? We know. And here's the reality. I mean, it's been so long since they've been a part of the universe. You can't. It's going to be almost impossible to reassemble the old crew. Well, then yeah. everything they did in Serenity would be really difficult to, you know, two characters dead. Yeah, I mean, you, you certainly can't bring them back. Yeah. you got yeah. some gaps to fill in the last five years or however long it is. Exactly. Yeah. I'll yeah. fill that gap. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's what but, they say. But it's also, it's like, That's what she said. can you bring that back and will it be the same? Would be the bigger question. Is it, If it comes back and they got it back. You mean you're in a different culture, there's a different time, and while there's certainly a fan... Yeah, this fandom loves it and still follows it. Is is something that would be accepted, would be received in television today? And while Nathan's ready, is Joss ready? Because Firefly and Serenity is a big heartache for him. Like everything he went through to get those done and get canceled. You know, it's great that the cast and the writers are ready, but the guy that kind of you know when the leader is not fully there. It's, it won't be the same. You also have to consider that these people have moved on to other projects oh, yeah. too. I mean, I mean, Joss is doing the Avengers yes. movie. Yeah. I mean, come on! And you know, Nathan is very successful with Castle. Absolutely. Um, you know, Adam Baldwin and Chuck. Adam Baldwin and Chuck. Uh, and Nora has Summer has hair. Well, yeah. Let me talk. Uh, <laughs> Summer Glau is even in Cape. And, it's gonna be canceled, um, but we love the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we always we always love Sam, Summer, even though that. It was obviously written for children, but anyway. Um, but you know, these people have moved on, um, and it's nice to continue to follow them. Uh, it, it's also nice to, to, to hear some references, especially when it comes to uh, to Nathan. He'll he'll try to sneak in a reference into yeah. Castle any chance he gets. I mean, you know, two by two, hands of blue. You know, I mean, the Halloween episode was out was totally obvious. Um, and one of the more recent episodes, I remember. Um, uh, he started spouting off Chinese, and uh, Stana Kadik was like, uh, how, "How'd you learn that? Where, how'd you learn it?" Like, oh, it's from an old TV show I used to like. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's really nice to hear him do the do the continual throwback to the show. And uh, when when you watch the um, the behind the scenes uh, and and like uh, the commentary and stuff like that for uh, Serenity. Uh, and, and why Firefly was cancelled and stuff like that Fillion continues to say this was the best job I've ever had mm-hmm. the best job and even though like now he's the star of his own ABC TV show it's which, not cancelled not cancelled <laughs> which is you know keeps going he's got a fan base he's got plenty of people behind him who you don't even know what the hell Firefly is um to, to think that he's like that he's continuing to push it forward in his own little way and um, it, it, I don't know it's really encouraging to see that see that he's he's able to to keep it as he, he keeps saying in this most recent interview he keeps he keeps saying best job I've ever had and look at him now he is like on you know he is like on top of the world really yet he still considers Firefly best job ever. Absolutely. I mean, I, maybe they get to go straight to DVD movies or something, or um, maybe even animated movies. I mean, it doesn't have to die if they really, you know. Right, right. I mean, and there was obviously a, a comic following, which, um, I mean, I read the Shepard book 
uh, uh, background prequel that I I actually liked, but I was I was I was only slightly disappointed because I, I kind of wanted maybe an, another full book, <laughs> you know, no no puns intended. Uh, and I, I even read the um, the Wash uh, prequel, uh, and I was. Unfortunately, I wasn't all that impressed with that one uh, in, in comparison to the other one. Um, but uh, you know, and then there's there, there's of course you know better days and, and things like that. It's it's a universe that that people still believe in, and I'm glad that we could all be a part of it because it's a really positive message that, especially in times like this, we're in we're still cert- we still certainly haven't uh, recovered from a bad economy. I mean, heck, go to go to your local mall. And see how many empty stores there not are, sure. and say, "Oh my gosh, yeah, we still have not recovered from this." And think of how it's, <laughs> think of how that relates to that crew, always scraping, you know, from one thing to the next. And the second they get ahead, so then they have to blow all the money and give it to this. <laughs> well, it was great. It was great. You know, when we, when we got a chance to see the film, it was great to see all the little cameos you made. You know, accruing with the uh, the actual cast, you know, Adam Baldwin and this guy. Oh yeah, um, I was there for Adams, and uh, you know, he's uh, he's a fun guy. Was really all right. He was drunk when he did most of his work, but <laughs> but that was <laughs> we that filmed it at nine thirty at night, and it'd been a long day. That made it even more awesome, really. It was just awesome that he's well. I mean, he, he said like my understanding just from a little bit. Uh, you know, you read is that he's also a big supporter of the Firefly universe. Oh, he continues to be. And the fact that he just came on to a fan film, come on. Well, the best thing about that is um, Brian Weiser, who did Done the Impossible, helped us out with this movie, and he's in the movie because I wanted to make sure that we connected all points of the verse as much as possible. Right. So if you were a complete geek out for Firefly, there are so many nods to the stuff that the average consumer won't know that just blow your mind. But uh, Adam was originally supposed to come out and do a cameo at Farpoint which we filmed um, in April and then Chuck pushed him back and he couldn't come out for that we had a gap of time where we filmed all the Alliance stuff in the middle so we couldn't necessarily do anything with him there um, and then it just became something we didn't think would happen then we went to Creation uh, the same one we were, I just mentioned in 2009 and did the interview with him that you can see online that John Patrick Gray did the interview for um, his handler rushed him out before we got to do anything else so Logan Liskovec was walking through uh, getting autographs and you, me and you <laughs> well, you were there you tell the story oh yeah so Logan and I were, were getting his autograph and we were at the end of the line and we kind of staged it um, quite honestly so we were at the end of the line getting his autograph and Logan's like yeah it's too bad we couldn't do that cameo that we kind of talked about and he stops everything and he looks up and he's like yeah, why didn't we do that? And Logan's like, oh, you know, your handler kind of rushed you out. You're pressed for time. And he looks at the line, and there's maybe three people behind us. He's like, let's do that right now. And Logan and I go, okay. <laughs> and we res- kind of both ran in different directions to grab everyone that we needed to grab to make it happen. But it was just a very spur of the moment. He initiated it. You know, at that point, we set him up for it. But um, yeah, right. <laughs> to get it happen it all fell together but what was neat for me was the cameo with Michael Fairman who played Niska when when Mike told me that we locked it in but there was one caveat that he had requested the actor that he was reading lines with to be there in person 
even though it was going to be a wave on screen, he wanted to run lines in person. So Mike's like, so I'm going to need you to go out to California and run lines with Michael Fairman. And by the way, we're filming this in Greg Edmondson's living room. <laughs> so, you okay with that? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So the wall, that, uh, the red wall behind him is the stairs that lead up towards Greg Edmondson's path. Wow. So that's awesome. Nice. The sacrifices that Heather has had to make. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no, no. Really dig deep. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was tough, but... You took one fifteen. I pulled through and... And how about the twins? That was hysterical. It was, uh, we, for the longest time, were trying to get Nathan. Um, schedules wouldn't work out. Things didn't happen. Um... So the end of the movie was always going to be a cameo of some sort, kind of like that Iron Man, you know, Samuel Jackson walk-in. Uh, I can't remember who went up to him, but we went up to him, and they were like, all, they were all for it. I had just completely, you know, they initially had just one line of dialogue, um, which what? was, "We have a job for you, Captain Matthews." Well, didn't it? They, they stopped by the booth, and someone showed them the trailer. Yeah, mm-hmm. wasn't that was that how it started, or I was it after? So. That was part of it. That was part of, but but. At the same time, we did an interview with yep. them uh, very, uh, very quickly. And uh, while we were in the, in the right. interview, we were talking about how, I mean, I, I don't mean to be mean to them at all, because I really like them, you know, especially as, as just, you know, BSing between actors. It, it's that they said, well, I asked them, you know, what, you guys, what have you guys been doing? It's like, not very much, just kind of waiting for Joss to call us. <laughs> And I, I, I felt like such an ass at that point in the interview. But, um, but then, you know, we, we were talking about, hey, well, you know, we, could, we got you here, let's do the cameo. And so, literally, we just turned the chairs, turned the camera, and then, bam, you know, Logan and, and Mike just, you know, had them, you know, just, this is what this is happening, go. And they just improv right then and there, and, you know, went right in the character. And, you know, I'd say they were constantly professionals. I liked them. A lot. And then after we did it, they walked by the booth later on and was like, well, you're going to keep us in mind for the sequel, right? I'm like, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> well, we're ending with you, so it would probably be a logical start. Right. right. Uh, but so sequel. I mean, uh, what's the, you, you got one film under your belt now, plans for a uh, sequel, or what, where, where, where are you going now? Um, we need to complete the first goal before we make the second goal. We've got ideas for projects that are outside of the, the Redemption Firefly universe. But um, it, with this project being as charity-driven as it is and the charity being the, the you know equal share time, if we don't come close to making at least 50% of our goal, it's not even worth reviewing it. Because not that it's not worth reviewing it for the actors and the time, but we started this with a very big intention of trying to raise a lot of money for Firefly. And what is the goal? Uh, 32,000 units, which it comes out to about half a million dollars for all the charities combined. And that number came from the opening weekend sales of the Serenity Collector's Edition tin, which was retailed at 60 bucks. Um, which is kind of like that awkward, precarious moment, because we've moved just about 2,100 copies of the movie um, in six months. And we're not anywhere about 10% of the way there, if that. So... Maybe we can get the people behind, uh, you know, help Nathan Fillion, Nathan Fillion get Firefly off the ground to back us a little bit, get some press on that, and that would help. But you know, got to complete one goal before you start the next. Right. That was a really depressing answer. Thanks. Man. I'm sorry. I'm just, <laughs> I'm going, on that note, let's talk about the Blu-ray. Yeah, I was going yeah. to say, let's talk about something that is in the immediate future, in the next Absolutely. couple of months. Uh, you are releasing a Blu-ray, but it's not just a blue. It's not just the movie. What are you doing? that's making this different? Um, one thing that we knew is we had a deadline to release the film. 
So there are some things that were sacrificed, like sound quality um, and color correction. So when we had, came to the choice of either release it on time or be yet another fan film that breaks a promise, we released it on time. And then we got feedback of people waiting for us to do the remastered audio. So And then people asked about Blu-ray and then what more can we do? And, and they're going to wait and hold out. And really the community kind of said, we're not going to do anything with this until you tell us when you're going to fix the, the problems. So that's what we're doing is we're uh, correcting the audio. We're going to try to fix some of the CGI in there and, and kind of beef that up a little bit. Uh, the DVD is going to come with a complete score, so you get Greg Edmondson's track, uh, which is played during Lara's confession. And then uh, housekeeping. No. Wait, hello. No. So um, <laughs> you'll come back later. So where there's the complete score, uh, the tracks for Marion Call, which play at the credits, the Bed Lombard song, Hush Little Citizen, which they play in the movie. Uh, these guys uh, had to do during their inter- or, um, audition. A monologue based on their character, and we're going to include that oh. part of their audition into oh, it. Put the mo- oh no! <laughs> yeah, I but, but not the tiger oh. scene from the Fetish Club. Oh, not good, in there. Good. We'll have you recreate that in the Tattoo outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Get a good makeup artist. Funny thing, though, on the set, uh, what we got we got some props from the uh, the Firefly Serenity. We school, do, and I got to wear uh, Kaylee's belt. I got to, which somehow fit. I was actually surprised. It smelled so good. It smelled like lavender. It was great and tangent, <laughs> but I'm excited. Right. I really walking around sack going, this was the original state. Yeah, and I was like, you want to smell it? It smells like lavender. And I saw a lot of guys go, oh. You know, I met Jewel State at, at the Serenity Salute, you know, back in 2009, and was going to say something creepy to be funny, but I, I think he already took the cake on that one. Yeah, so, so, so Joel, we apologize. Thank you sorry, for the very Joel. nice thing that Thank you said. You. Thank I'm you. sorry. Right. It was great. I felt honored to wear your belt. I'm sorry that he said you're hot. I'm sorry I'm creepy. Have a nice day. <laughs> so, yeah, um, we're also going to, to kind of, like, the cameos are obvious, but there's some stuff that's throughout the sets. Uh, like if you notice on top of the the lift in the cargo bay is one of the money cases that comes out that Jane's carrying during the opening scene of Serenity. Oh, okay. um, what's, Zoe's boots are sitting next to a bench. Zoe's gun holsters all over. So we'll probably put that as Easter egg hints throughout the DVD, kind of like a VH1 pop-up type thing. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but it's, it's going to be chock full of content. And so available when? What's the target? Uh, towards the end of April. We need to do 200 pre-orders to pay for all the uh, the 1,000 copies of the DVD remastered and 1,000 copies of the Blu-ray to be able to meet the minimum requirements for the order. Uh, okay. I think we're just over a quarter of the way there, and we have to do that by March 17th. Mm. Um, so I think we're on track. We're good. We're good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and where can the order? Uh, they go to browncoatsmovie.com. And they could either order it from our online store, which is shop.broncoatsmovie.com, or through PayPal. And those both are on our website. And what does the Blu-ray cost? Uh, the Blu-ray is going to be $30. Okay. The That comes with the Blu-ray and the score. Uh, the remastered DVD is 24 And that is the remastered and the score. Uh, and then we have a combo pack. I'm, I have to do the physical hand, like one-on-one hand thing. Right. And then we have the original edition of the film, which is limited to 4,000 copies, which is 18. <coughs> All right. So, so they can get a bunch of different versions of it. They can get as many as they like. Right. Please do. <laughs> Collect them all. Collect them all. Well, anything else you guys want to say? Uh, Tim? Yeah, what projects are you guys working on right now? Yeah. Uh, well, um, 
Ninja vs. Vampires just came out. You can check all that, all the ninjas, ninja action at endlightentertainment.com. Let me make sure I say that right. Um, I have a, a little indie film called She's in the Details. Uh, I think I just hit an indie, indie circuit. Um, and one coming out soon called Conquering the Rose. A uh, bit of a departure from my usual uh, shtick. Um, and a lot of, a lot of uh, movies are just in the air right now. So, yeah, look forward to those that I mentioned. I've taken out to be a gigolo for a while. <laughs> and, uh, no, I actually... And the number is 1-800. 1-800-John <laughs> Patrick Bear. No. 1-800-Asians no, no, don't no, have no. accents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's mine. Yeah. Um, no, really, um, in general, a lot of the bulk of what I do, especially in the Maryland, D.C., Baltimore area, is, uh, uh, training videos, corporate videos... Uh, things of, of that nature, and I continue to do a lot of those. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's masterpiece work, but if you work for the federal government or you know, slash the army, slash the Marine Corps, or slash many other uh, corporations, there's a chance you might go, Hey, there's a token Asian guy, in <laughs> and that's me because I don't speak broken English unless you want me to. <laughs> but you also did some stunt work recently on a major motion picture. Uh, yeah. I don't like to bring that up. Okay. <laughs> I, will. I will. I'll bring it up. I'll find it. Um, no, I, I, I did some stunt work on um, on Transformers 3. Uh, it was one day when, when uh, they needed people who knew how to handle firearms safely. And, uh, and you know, they brought in the regular crew. And uh, as a different note, I, I, I'm going to name drop here. I, I would say I don't mean to, but I am going to name drop here. <laughs> um, I will say that uh, that Mr. Duhamel, Josh Duhamel, I'm a fan for life in that guy. You want to talk about not only a consummate professional, but he'll talk to anybody. You know, it, people, random people were coming up and talked to him, talking to him on set about uh, sports, about whatever, you know, what the weather was like. And he was, you know, tickled to death to talk to everybody and, and just be very polite to everybody. Um, even before each scene, he would look at all of us and be like, all right, you pumped up? You ready? Let's go. And then we run into the scene, we're all pumped up, we're all sweaty, we're like, ah! Explosions going around, cars flipping, gunfire going off, you know, and, and probably the, the most fun I've had on set in years uh, just because, you know, I, I love doing stunt work. I love when things are exploding around me and cars are, you know, passing over my head and, and things like that. Um, Mr. LeBeau was very polite to all of his fans. Um, and I was glad Megan Thugs wasn't there. Moving on. <laughs> Great story. <laughs> Mr. Wellman? Uh, as of right now, I don't have any projects. Um, you teach. What, what I a project. Yes. <laughs> Children are always working in progress. Me over, just <laughs> kicking my ass right now. Um, but... After, basically after March, things are going to start opening up. We'll have more time to dedicate to auditioning and get, getting out there doing things. Awesome. Oh, wow. Um, finished a couple of projects over the past eight-month window. Uh, the reunion by CCL Productions, uh, Connie Lamoth. Uh, she's actually pushing that out there to uh, a lot harder than I thought she was. Uh, it's been a great deal of feedback that she's receiving and a few things she has in queue that I won't go into detail with because I'm not certain 
uh, what those moves are going to be. She just gave everyone a call saying we have to have a meeting on this date about this. Um, black women's playwrights, uh, they've been in existence for 37 years and have, for the first time they've been doing nothing but theater and they decided they want to do a short film about a story uh, that took place in Brooklyn, D.C. and it's titled Brooklyn, Not Brooklyn. So um, I played a DJ in that uh, short that uh, pretty much goes through the issues that were going on during the civil rights movement time and uh, it's pretty pretty intense for me to have to go in there and have a lot of stuff thrown at me that you know you don't want to resurface or bring up or anything so it was a uh, educational but pretty deep um, individual project wise that I've worked on uh, recently I tried to dip into the pool of direction here um, with a short I did called 7-2 um, and I'm currently doing a little, well, not a little, a lot of um, pre-production work on another project that I aim to be starting soon. And where so, can they find out this information? Oh, man, you can go to my website. Yes, www.kevintroy.com. Yes. Do you have a website as well? I do. It's uh, johnpatrickberry.com. You can put the www. I don't care if you do or not. You'll eventually get there. <laughs> do you have I do also, yeah. It's www.guywellman.com. Do we, do we mention yours already? Uh, you I, mentioned these zombies. Yes, yeah. uh, enlightenedentertainment.com. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, like Guy, unfortunately, I don't have anything going. Um, my day job was putting, I was putting a lot of hours and had to kind of stop auditioning or sending out anything for a few months. Um, but Damn, the real life. case that I was on just settled, so I have a life back and I can start auditioning up again. I have a couple of projects in the works, but they've been put on hold, so I don't know what's exactly happening with them, so I don't really want to mention anything, but I'm excited if they come to fruition. And where can they find you on the web if they need to? Um, I'm currently only on Facebook. I do not have a website. Oh, Anything you want to say? Browncoastmovie.com. Well, thanks, guys, for sitting down and chatting with us about Blu-ray, about what it's been like since the release, and uh, appreciate you uh, giving us an update. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Mike Doherty and the cast from Brown Coast Redemption. And we really cannot say this enough. If you get a chance to support them and you have the means and the financial means to do so, please visit browncoatsmovie.com. Uh, Brown Coats the Movie. And it would be um, a great place for you to do that. So, uh, Miles, why don't we go ahead and head into our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Well, um... Last last time Scott gave his favorite his, his, his five moments at Farpoint, so these are mine. Um, and these aren't in any particular order. What makes it the last one is, but uh, just walking in the door and seeing the vendors and people in costume. Uh, at first, you know, wasn't sure how I feel about going to Farpoint. Um, I mean, as far as just being excited about, it, I was a little bit, but but as soon as I got there, it just. Um, uh, I was just so stoked to be there. It was just, it was just like coming home. Um, and next moment was uh, karaoke. Yes, they had at the end of the night they had karaoke uh, Friday night at, at at the convention. And let me tell you something: 
Um, there are some good karaoke and there are some bad karaoke. However, even bad karaoke can be fun. It can be funny, at least. Very funny. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, uh, we got to see two of our listeners at the, at the convention, uh, Chris and Karen, so it was nice seeing them. Uh, we usually see them at the Far Point and Shore Leaf conventions. Uh, our time with Mike and the cast of Brown Coats Redemption, that was just a lot of fun. I mean, it was an interview, but it was uh, you know just, just a good time hanging we out. We also met Osiris Man, remember? Oh, sorry. oh yes, yeah, we did, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, last, uh, meeting uh, Benita Friedesi, uh, Tamal Paddockett, and Lori Holden. That was a lot of fun. And just uh, I encourage you... Check out the smaller cons. You get a little more face time with the guests there. And uh, um, they're all really nice and just uh, just uh, there for the fans that, that, that weekend. Absolutely. Well, that's a great list, Miles. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for sharing that. If you want to submit, and we do have a Radu is sending another Sci-Fi 5 and 5 list. We have Brady Harding uh, who sent in his for the uh, show 100. But we have plenty of shows that we obviously look forward to having more Sci-Fi 5 and 5. So please feel free to submit them. And you can submit those and send those to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at gmail.com or call them in at 1-888-508-4343. You can also email them as an MP3 attachment. So those are ways you can do that. So I believe that's it, Miles. Let's go ahead and wrap up this show. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya.
You can find more great podcasts at lifestylepodnetwork.com.au.